All right, Jeremiah chapter 6 tonight, Jeremiah 6, good to be in the house of the Lord, and uh, one of my favorite verses is in this text, and uh, we'll preach about it for a little while tonight, and, uh, thinking about what to preach, and it's one of the hardest things sometimes as a preacher is trying to figure out what to preach and <clears throat> what not to preach. And uh, I like old stuff, and uh, I like the old-time way, and I like uh, throwback Pepsi, amen? <laughs> I'm not a Coke or Pepsi drinker, but if you're going to do it, give me the old stuff, amen? And so I like the old-time way, and this is one of my favorite scriptures, and preacher spoke to me about it. I, I just couldn't get this message here off my heart, and uh, so I'm going to try to... I'm just going to preach an old one, amen, but Jeremiah 6, uh, we'll begin reading down there in uh, verse number 10, and uh, there's, uh, of course, Jeremiah speaking to Israel here, and uh, a lot could be said and preached about, no doubt, about how he's trying to call Israel back to God, and, uh, but we're not going to get into that tonight, <clears throat> but Jeremiah 6, verse number uh, 10, the Bible said, to whom shall I speak and give warning, so he's warning them, talking to Israel, that they may hear Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot uh, hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. He said they have no delight in it. That's amazing. They, they don't want nothing to do with the word of God. Well, that sounds like today. He said, therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour uh, it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together. For even, even the husband with the wife shall be taken, the age with him that is full of days, their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together. He's, he's saying judgment's coming. He said, for I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, every one is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, every one dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people, slightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Now, from the part we've read up until now, it's all bad. And, uh, you know, we don't like bad, of course. And, and uh, you can go back into earlier chapters of Jeremiah. And, of course, the Lord's trying to call Israel back and trying to get them right with God and tell them over there. And chapter 4, he said, hey, if you'll return, return unto me. And, of course, Jeremiah saying, hey, the Lord's mad. He's angry. Uh, this is not good. This is what's going to happen. But here's the verse I like right here in verse number 16, one of my favorite in the Bible. He said this. He said, thus saith the Lord. Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths, where is the good way? Amen. He said, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Uh, I love that verse, amen? And, and, and we're not done with it, but I love that verse. And, uh, of course, that's the answer to Israel about, of course, getting right with God. That's not only the answer to Israel. I believe that's the answer for today also. But he plainly said, he said, hey, stand in the way. See and ask for the old paths. Where's the good way? And uh, he said, walk therein. Ye shall find rest for your souls. And watch what they said. He said, but they said, here's what they told him, we will not walk therein. Can you imagine that? 
Can you imagine saying that? I mean, to the man of God, I couldn't imagine. He's telling them, I mean, if you read the previous chapters, it's all bad, you understand? It ain't good. I mean, this is, you're gonna lose your wives, you're gonna lose your lands. I mean, destruction's coming, heartache's coming, trouble's coming, but I'm gonna give you an answer. I'm gonna tell you what'll help you. Here's what's gonna help you. Stand in the way, he said over there, and see and ask for the old past, where it's a good way, walk there, and you shall find rest for your soul. And they said, oh, we ain't doing it. I don't know, I don't understand that, amen. I mean, that crowd didn't want to listen to Jeremiah. But I say to you tonight, I choose to, amen. I want to preach for a little while, just a, not, not, a, not, not nothing new, but I'd rather be an old-time Christian, amen. I mean, he told them plainly there in the Bible, did he not? He said, ask for the old past, amen. You know, old-time Christianity is a good way we can walk in. Old-time Christianity is a place that we can stand and not be ashamed. I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to be an old-time Christian, amen? Old-time Christianity is a place that we can find rest for our souls. And the Bible plainly says it down there. He said, hey, it's a good way. He said, stand in that way. He said, you can find rest in that way. You know, there's people out there today whose lives are a mess. I'm talking about a mess. I, I mean, there's all kinds of trouble. Their kids are a mess. Their families are a mess. They're, their lives are in shambles, you understand? And you talk to them, you say, look, why don't you just get right with God? Why don't you just get in the house of God? Why don't you just start, start somewhere? Start doing something right. Let me say to you tonight, it's a good way. It's a restful way, amen? Boy, I'm glad there was a day that I got saved and I'm glad there was a day that I made my mind up that I was gonna do what was right, amen? And I wanted to please the Lord. You some don't know if they wanna be associated with the world or if they wanna be associated with Christians. But I say tonight, dear friend, I'd rather be an old time Christian. Amen. There was a meeting one time where some young people had been discussing the text, you are the salt of the earth. And one suggestion after another was made to that meaning of that word salt in those verses. And salt imparts a desirable flavor, said one. Salt uh, preserves from decay, another suggested. And then there was a Chinese little Christian girl that spoke out of experience that none of the others had had. And she said, salt creates a thirst. And I say to you tonight, there's something about old time religion, friend, uh, that makes me thirsty. The more I taste of it, the more I want of it, amen. Uh, and there's many of our churches today, uh, if you travel around, like I do. You'll get in places, I hate to say it, but some places are dead and dry and cold. You understand? They're not thirsting for the things of God no more. They're not thirsting for the old time way. They don't want that way. And God plainly said in the Bible, it's a good way. Amen. You can rest in it. Here's what Job said. Job 8, 8, it said this, for inquire, I pray thee, of the former age and prepare thyself to the search of their fathers. He said in Deuteronomy 32, 7, remember the days of Old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, he'll show thee thy elders and they'll tell thee. You know, in the days of old, they believed in old time Christianity. I mean, you look at men, I can name you some names tonight and they'll probably be familiar to you. What about Billy Sunday and D.L. Moody and R.A. Torrey and John Wesley? What about Charles Finney and R.G. Lee and Lester Roloff? You know why those names mean something to you? I'll tell you why, because God used those men in a great way. You know why? Because they believed in the old time way. And I say thank God for old time religion, amen? Hey church, it worked for our fathers and it'll work for us. Where would we be today if it wasn't for old-time Christianity? 
And I know it's the past, a thing of the past. And I say to you, dear friend, I'm talking about old-time tent revivals, old-time brush harbor meetings, uh, old-time camp meetings. Uh, there's people today that'll look down upon those things. Uh, they'll look down on the tent meetings or the brush harbors or the old camp meetings. Uh, I don't want to be in, the, in part of that the wildfire. I don't want to be part of that shouting and that hollering and that singing out loud and all that mess. And they, they, they look down on it. But I say to you, dear friend, if we wouldn't have had that in our old past, you understand, if the old time men and women of God wouldn't have had that. We wouldn't have what we had today. Thank God for the old time preaching and singing and worshiping. Thank God for the old time way. I'd rather be an old time Christian because there's some things that the old time Christians believed. I want to give you those quickly. Number one, they believed in the simplicity of salvation. We live in a world today where they try to make salvation hard. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 11:3. he said, but I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility so your mind should be corrupted, listen, from the simplicity that is in Christ. Amen. You know what that word corrupted means? It means infected with errors. It means putrefied, vitiated, depraved, spoiled, or marred. We live in a day where many preachers and so-called soul winners are making salvation hard. I say to you, I'm not an easy believism person, but I believe it is simple to be saved. Amen. The old-time Christians, they believed that salvation was explained by the scriptures. The Bible said, so then faith came by hearing. They believe you were drawn by the Spirit. The Bible said you're quickened by the Spirit. They believe that it was given to you by the Savior. Revelation 3, 26 said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And today we got the modernists, which is no more modern than the devil himself uh, with their serpentine way of trying to tell people how to be saved. The modernists uh, think it sounds too good to be true uh, or too easy to be true, uh, so they add to salvation. Let me say to you, dear friend, there's nothing to be added. There's nothing to be taken away. What God wrote in this book is exactly what he meant. Over there in 2 Corinthians 11, it teaches us that Christ's salvation is a simple salvation. Why is it simple? It's simple because it's free. It's already been paid for, amen? Bible said over there, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. 1 Corinthians 6, 20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. He said in Revelation 5, 9, for thou wast slain, hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Amen. And I say to you, dear friend, according to that Bible, it's already been paid for. There's nothing you and I can do to get heaven there's nothing you and I can do to be redeemed, amen. Uh, the false teachers and the damnable heresies of those that deny the Lord, they make salvation hard. God never said you had to pray through for salvation. God never said you had to be baptized for salvation or speak in tongues for salvation or be a good person for salvation or do the seven sacraments for salvation or keep the law for salvation. It's already been paid for. It's already finished. There's nothing you can do to redeem heaven. It's already been redeemed for you. And the old time Christian, they believed that the salvation was a simple salvation. Right. You see, dear friend, not only is it free for us because the Lord paid for it, but we receive it. We're the ones that get to receive that free pardonal gift. The Bible said in Romans 5, 17, for by one man's offense, death reigned by one much more. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus. We receive salvation by repentance through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what the Bible said. Repentance toward God and faith 
toward the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Somebody asked Brother Parcham one time, they said this, they said, do I got to repent to get saved? He said, all depends on where you want to go. <laughs> it ain't hard, amen. I mean, when the Holy Ghost of God came to me that day, sitting there in that church service preacher, he convicted me, amen. Uh, he showed me I was a sinner, and, he, and I repented and asked God to forgive me of my sins, hallelujah. Repentance toward God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's simple, dear friend, to receive a gift. Bob said, dear friend over there, he said, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. He said, God gave his only begotten son. God said it is a gift of God, is eternal life. And the old time Christians believed in the simplicity of salvation. Let me give you, let me give you a second one. They believed in singing the glory down. Now there's a lot of churches today across this land, and I'll just say this to you, church, you are spoiled. Uh, those of you that don't get out a whole lot and get in different churches and thank the Lord, you stay right here, amen. But I say to you, dear friend, there's a lot of places out there that are very shallow, very dry, very dead. I mean, dear friend, you wonder, good night. Why aren't they happy about what they're singing about? Where is their rejoicing? Where is their singing? And then there's the other end of the spectrum. You understand there's wild stuff. I'm talking about shallow, effeminate, uh, repeating stuff. I got in a mess one time. I, I'm sorry. It happens when you're in evangelism. You can't ask a whole bunch of questions when you go to different churches. You, we try to, we try to, I tried to get a little information on this one place. And I got in this church one time I walked up, we, drove, we pulled up to this church, beautiful. I'm talking about brick building, everything was gorgeous, lawn was perfect, everything was right. I thought, man, it's a big church. I, I don't ask them how many goes to their church when I'm going, amen. And so I showed up there and this older preacher come walking out and I, I, I went walking inside to take the sound system in and preacher, we walked inside and over there in the corner was this big old drum set. I said, here, God, heaven help us. I walked back outside, I walked right back outside, and I said, preacher, is this a Baptist church? He said, yeah, man. I said, all right, here we go. So anyways, we got in that church. I'm gonna say to you, dear friend, them was the nicest people I've ever met, I think, but that song service was awful. You hear me? They had a girl get up there in a pair of tight blue jeans. I'm talking about tight, amen? And she got up there, and the song leader was her daddy, and the piano player was her mama, and man, they started singing this stuff. I'm talking about it was dead. Uh, it was this 7-Eleven uh, stuff, you know what I'm talking about? Same thing over and over again. And man, she was playing them drums, and the piano wasn't leading, the drums was leading, you understand? And the song leader wasn't leading, the drums was leading. I mean, it was boom shaker. I'm talking about it was on, hallelujah. And I'm sitting up there on the front row of my youngins thinking, oh, what, how am I gonna explain this? So anyways, uh, I just told them don't worry about it. And so anyways, we had to be there for a whole week. <laughs> Wednesday night, that girl wasn't there. I said, praise be to God. And a boy about 10 years old got up there and was just as bad as she was. I mean, it was like that the whole week. And my kids came up and they would sing. And, and when the kids would sing, it was like the Holy Ghost just kind of would fall on that place. He'd give me a peace on my soul, amen, uh, because God likes that good singing. Uh, and I'll tell you, dear friend, I'm not talking about the kind of singing where they, you know, they follow that ball. Thank God we got some words uh, that we can sing out to, but I'm not talking about that, that them choruses, same thing over and over again. I'm talking about where they get up and they sing and they shout a while. They sing and they praise a while. They sing and they pray a little while. They sing and they testify a little while. Kind of like it is around here every now and then, amen. And I say to you, the old time Christians, they knew how to worship God. 
And in the Bible, singing's mentioned 29 times, singers are mentioned uh, 38 times, and the word sing is mentioned 119 times. I think God likes singing. Singing is a time of worship. And I say to you, dear friend, if you're not a singing, you ain't a worshiping, amen. Uh, Moses sang unto the Lord. The children of Israel sang unto the Lord. King David sang unto the Lord. Jesus sang. The disciples sang. And in heaven, we're going to sing a song uh, that the angels cannot sing. Uh, he said in Psalm 89, 1, I will sing uh, of the mercies of the Lord forever. He said in Psalm 92, 1, it's a good thing uh, to give thanks unto the Lord forever. Uh, uh, unto the Lord, I'm sorry, and to sing praise unto thy name, O most high. He said in Psalm 95 1, oh come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise, amen, to the rock of our salvation. I say to you, dear friend, God likes singing. He loves it. Over there in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 21, singers, Bible says they were appointed to go out, listen to what it says, before the war to praise the beauty of his holiness. I mean, the children of Israel getting to go to battle. Most people ain't shouting a victory when they're going to battle. They're getting to go to war, and God said, hey, get them out there singing. And they got out there and got to worshiping and praising God. If you know the rest of the story, God defeated the enemy, amen. And friend, we're in a battle and Satan don't want to be where the worship's at. You understand? He wants to be where the fighting's at. He wants to be where the sin is at and the carnality and ungodliness. You study over there in 2 Chronicles chapter number 29. Get over there around verses 27 through 30 down there. And in verse 28, it says the congregation worshiped. And it said when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began with trumpets and with instruments and it says the singers began to sing and it says that they worshiped the Lord. There was no shame. You hearing me? Listen to me, church. There was no shame. They wasn't worried about what somebody thought about them. They were just praising God and worshiping God and it said that they worshiped and sang until the burnt offering was finished. They didn't get in no hurry. I can't help but forget, I might have told this story here before, but I can't help but forget the time, good illustration, when I was in this church. I was about 23 or 24 years old. And I was in college. And I think I was in my senior year. I can't remember. But anyways, either junior or senior year, pretty much sure I was my senior year in college. And uh, me and uh, Miss Jody had been married for about, I think, two or three years. And so anyways, uh, this uh, guy that went to college there was, was a colored fellow, a black guy. And he was kind of a friend of mine, and he went to this church there in Pontiac, Michigan. And uh, he, uh, he, I went to Midwestern over there at Brother Malone's. And so anyways, he said, Brother Jason, I'm going to try to get you to my church to preach. I said, all right. And so I didn't think much about it. And one day he came to me, and he said, he said I talked to my preacher. And he said, you can come. I said, really? He said, yeah, when can you come? And I told him. So anyways, it was on a Sunday night. And uh, I, uh, I went by myself that night. My wife stayed there uh, in, uh, and, uh, at our church there in Livonia that we was a member of. And uh, I went over to this church down in Pontiac, Michigan. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to do. I'm young. Amen. I, like I said, 23, 24 years old. And so anyways, I went walking up in that church building. And somebody come to me and said, you must be the preacher. I said, yes, sir. And they said, come back here with me. So I walked back there with him down some hallway. I went in this office. And uh, it was just a room, really, with a desk and a couple chairs. And uh, he said, the preacher will be here in a minute. And so anyways, uh, here come this preacher. He come walking in, big old guy. I mean, about six foot four preacher. He's a big old fella. He's probably, I don't know, I hate to 
guess, 300 easy. And I'm talking about different, had a little bit of curl, you know, talk about in his hair. And he'd come walking in there, hello, Brother Kendrick. And I heard some good stuff about you and all this kind of stuff. And he sits down behind this, this desk and we talk. And we're in there for a while. Next thing I know, I hear something going on out there in the auditorium. I hear a little bit of piano. I hear a little bit of organ. You know what I'm talking about? Next thing I know, I hear a little bit of singing. I'm talking about it's going on. It's on. I mean, they're having themselves a time. There's a little bit of shouting going on and singing going on. And I'm thinking to myself, why in the world are we sitting in here? How come we're not out there? Amen. I want to see what's going on. And so anyways, I didn't say nothing. I'm as nervous as could be. And so I'm just sitting there. It wasn't long. Amen. And finally he gets up. He said, all right, it's time. And so anyways, he goes, he gets up. He said, follow me. So anyways, we go walking out. He goes walking down the hallway. And, uh, you know, he's walking down there. And I'm just following along behind him. Uh, and my um, 195 pounds. Uh, but anyways, uh, he goes walking out in that auditorium. There's probably 200 plus people in there. I was the only white boy in the whole entire auditorium. And he goes walking across. We come out this side. And he goes strutting across the front. I'm talking about, man, he was strutting across the front. Uh, he come walking. Here come little old me just kind of walking behind him. And anyways, we come walking up on the platform. He sits me down back here. I don't know, there's five or six other guys sitting up here with him. I guess that's the preachers, amen. They had the robed choir that was behind us. It was all in robes. I mean, the organs over here, the pianos over here. And they, they, they done been singing and worshiping for at least 30 minutes. At least 30 minutes. And so anyways, I'm thinking, man, alive, I'm going to have to probably start preaching immediately. No, that didn't happen. They sang for another 30 minutes, amen, uh, or, or longer. I mean, the organs are playing, and they're doing all that stuff, and the piano's dinging. You know how the preacher will say something, and if he pauses, the piano goes, ding, 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 you know? I mean, they got all that going on. I'm talking about their friend, it's old. And I mean, they're singing and finally it got time for the choir to sing and somebody got up there to lead the choir. I heard somebody say, they slapped their hands like that. And that thing started swaying back and forth. They was all swaying back and forth. Next thing you know, the music's picking up. I'm telling you, it's good, amen. I was liking it, amen. You said that's in the flesh. Well, amen, I might have been in it, but it was good, hallelujah. And they were singing, hallelujah. I'm talking about this, worshiping God. I mean, I, I did, I did enjoy the service. It was a blessing, amen. And then finally, the preacher gets up there and said, all right, we got Brother Jason Kendrick here tonight. He's gonna preach for us, amen. And so anyways, he called me up to preach. And I preached then just like I do now, amen. I started preaching just like I do now, wide open. He's sitting back here in the back going, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. You know, most of them, they start real slow and they get faster and faster and at the end of their sermon, they're blowing it out. You know what I'm talking about? Anyways, I'm like in fifth gear right now, amen? And so anyways, he's going, it's all right, it's all right. And I tell you what, we was having ourselves a time. It wasn't long, dear friend. And I was a preaching away. I had the leader of the, the help of the Holy Ghost. Preacher, I felt all of a sudden he was patting me on the back and he was going, you got it, you got it, you got it. I said, yeah, we got something, hallelujah. I mean, the Holy Ghost of God done showed up there. I'll tell you why. Here's why, church, because they sang the glory down. They said, we don't do it that way. Well, they did. And the Lord must have liked it. You know, I guess some people think that the Lord likes dead music better than he does lively music. He said over there in 1 Corinthians 15, so the priests and Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord of Israel, Lord God of Israel, and the children of Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staffs thereon. Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. And here's what it says. And David spake to the chief of the Levites, listen to what he said, to appoint their brethren to be singers with instruments of music, psalteries, 
and harps and cymbals and dobros and guitars and banjos sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. Amen. You know what he said over there? He said over there, he said this. He said, instruments, amen. He said, lifting up the voice with joy. You know what that is? That's loud singing, loud music. People sound like it loud. God does. The text is speaking about David bringing up the ark from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem. And the song that they were singing is wrote by David over there in Psalm 105. And it's a song of praise. And I say to you, dear friend, King David knew about worship. That's why he chose. He said, hey, he told him, Levites, go appoint some of your brethren. He chose godly gifted singers to worship before the Lord. Listen to me, church, hear me. He didn't choose something that sings in a nightclub. He didn't choose some thinly clad individual. He didn't choose a song that fits a barroom. He didn't choose some entertainer that lives a shabby life. I'm talking about dear friend people live a life of sin all week then they want to get in the house of God and try to sing the glory down. It ain't going to happen, dear friend. Here's what John G. Butler said. He said the trash that sings in many of our services today is like the trash that, uh, that often gets behind the pulpit. It's a disgrace to God, not an honor to God. Listen, David chose godly, gifted singers to worship before the Lord. God loves singing. Now you hear me. The old time Christians believed in singing the glory down. You look at D.L. Moody. Who did he have as his song leader? Sankey. You take somebody like R.A. Torrey and Wilbur Chapman, great men of God. Who they have leading their music? Charles Alexander. If you don't know anything about Charles Alexander, he's probably one of the greatest song leaders of all time. You take somebody like Billy Sunday. Who did he have? He had Rodeheva. I'm talking about, dear friend, old-time revivals. The old-time preachers believed in singing. God used every one of these men in a great way because they all realized the importance of worship through song. Here's what Dr. Al Smith said. He said this. He said, we'll never have revival in churches until we get the people in the pews singing again. Now, I know we sing around here. Thank God for it. But the reason some can't sing in the house of God it's because they're too used to singing the world's music. I mean, how are you going to come in here and sing and worship God when you just got out of your car listening to country? When you just got done singing a little bit of rock and singing some pop and singing some of that worldly mess. God, help us, dear friend. God, give us some men and some women in our churches that will sing the glory down. Like the old-time Christians. Hey, I'd rather be an old-time Christian. They believed in the simplicity of salvation, singing the glory. Let me give you this one. They believed in the sacred book. This ain't nothing new. The Bible says in Psalm 1989, he said, forever, O Lord, listen to what it says, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever. Listen, you can add, you've probably heard this, but I'll say it to you. You can add the words, the letters, in the words of Holy Bible, nine letters. You can add the letters in King James, nine letters. In Scripture, nine letters. Word of God, nine letters. They all equal nine. You can add 1611, one plus six plus one plus one, what's that? Nine. Number of, the number of fruitfulness, that's what it is. There's nine fruits of the Spirit. Oh, you say, that's a coincidence, come on. Friend, we got a sacred book, you hear me? It's inspired by God. One of my favorites is, you know, you got, you know, you might have heard this, but that number six is the number of a man, and Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible. Amen, it's the first book in the Bible named after a man. How many letters does Joshua got? Six. Some of you will get that later. 
Over there in New Testament, Romans, sixth book of the Bible, the middle of Romans is what? Man. The sixth book, the sixth chapter, the sixth verse, the sixth word. Anybody want to take a guess what it is? Man. That's a book now. They've argued about three things. They've argued about the writers. They've argued about the writings. They've argued about the words. And here's what God said about the writers. 2 Peter 1.21, holy men of God spake as they were what? Moved by the Holy Ghost. About the writings, he said in 2 Timothy 3.16, he said all scripture is given by inspiration of God. About the words, he said in 2 Corinthians 2.13, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. He said, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Amen. Then he said over there in John 1.1, he said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, he said, and the Word was made flesh. You understand what that means? That means that that book right there is alive. Amen. When it was made flesh, it came to life. Hallelujah to God. And the Bible was written by 36 to 40 authors over a period of 1,600 years. And the Holy Spirit guarded the thoughts and the phrases of every single word because not one time will you find one contradiction in God's book. Dr. Alvin Douglas said this. He said, the Bible is the source book of our knowledge of God. It is a textbook of divine truth. It is the guidebook to everlasting life. Amen. And because of this Bible right here, men can trust, they can pray, they can preach, they can live, they can have faith, they can witness, they can go through fiery trials, they can even die because of the promises that come from this sacred book. We could say thousands and even millions have been led to God by this blessed book. Let me tell you what the old-time Christians did. Are you listening? The old-time Christians read it, studied it, memorized it. They didn't penknife it. They just believed it. Listen, listen, church. This is real simple, bottom shelf stuff. They did what it said. They lived what it said. They told what it said. They believed what it said. Amen. And they preached what it said. And the old time Christians believed in the sacred book. And the greatest period of revivalism came through that authorized version. Why did, why did God use Whitfield to preach to 100,000 people without a microphone outside? Why, why did he use John Wesley to write hundreds of books and ride over 250,000 miles on horseback? Why, why did he use Charles Wesley to win many prison inmates to Christ on death row? And he used Fanny Crosby and Charles Wesley to write nearly 17,000 songs combined. Why did he use William Carey, who translated the scripture into 44 languages, and George Mueller, who helped orphans, distributed millions of tracts and thousands of Bibles, and traveled in the evangelistic circuit? Why did he use D.L. Moody, who preached to 100 million people with a million professing Christ? Why did he use Sam Jones, who over a four-week period saw over 10,000 additions to area churches and Charles Finney and how the plants would shut down whenever he'd walk in because of great conviction and why did he use Billy Sunday who dried up cities from liquor and saw thousands of people saved they all shared one thing in common and that is they believed that sacred book they preached that King James Bible why would you preach anything else why would you live by anything else 
for years. The Bible's been fought on how to interpret it and what it was taught, what it is, if it's inspired, if it's preserved. I like what Dr. Howell said. He said, think of what could have happened if all the hours had been spent changing the Bible, had been spent preaching the Bible and spreading its messages. Yeah, man, we don't need to change it, we need to preach it. We don't need to change it, we need to live it. And I say to you, the old time Christians believed in the sacred book. Let me give you a fourth one. The old time Christians believed in the separated life. Here's what the Bible said, 2 Corinthians 6, 17. He said, wherefore, come out from among them, he's talking about the world, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Now that's what God said. I didn't say it, God said it. And he said, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, here's what they'll say to me today, and they've probably said it to some of you. They'll say something like, catch up with the times. I have no desire. I'd rather be an old-time Christian. You know what they mean by that? They'll say things like, well, we don't dress that way anymore. Well, I do. Well, we don't sing them songs anymore. Well, I do. Well, we don't live that way anymore. Well, I do. Because the old-time Christians believed in living a separated life. Listen to what Jeremiah said. He said, thus saith the Lord, standing in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where is a good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, sounds like some Baptists, we will not walk therein. You can preach on a separated life. You can preach on things and how we ought to separate ourselves from certain things. And there is people that are sitting in a Baptist church that know they're saved and on their way to heaven and say, no, I ain't doing that. I, I don't, that, that's your choice, dear friend, amen. You, you want to stand before God for what you do, not me. Jer, not for what you do, but Jeremiah lived in a day of vile, loose living and wickedness. You understand? Just read your Bible. It was an awful day that Jeremiah had to live in and the things that he had to put up with. And I say to you, dear friend, he had to live in some vile things just like you and I do, and he cried out. Here's what he said. Thus saith the Lord, ask for the old past. As for the old time way, get back to the old time way. They said, we ain't doing it. They lived in a day of violence. Is that not our day? They lived in a day where the world, where the word of the Lord was a reproach unto them and they had no delight in the word of God. They lived in a day where people were covetous, where the prophets were liars and uh, the priests dealt falsely. They were liars and cheats where the people committed abominations and the Bible says that they did not blush at their sin. And you know why they didn't blush? Because they'd gotten used to it. Man, that sounds just like today. Sounds just like America, dear friend. I'm talking about even people in our churches uh, that they don't even blush. You remember the day when a person would swear in public and they would say, oh, I'm sorry. And you'd never hear a woman swear. Now they're just as vile as men are. I mean, cuss and filthy ungodliness and the vile ungodly nakedness and the filth that's on these TV shows and these game shows and the ungodliness and the bed scenes and the cussing and the, and the sodomy and, the, and this woke garbage. I'm talking about we live in a vile, wicked world. And God's telling the church, get back to the old past. Now I want you to think about an old time Christian. Think about maybe somebody, I don't know, a great grandma or something. You gotta go pretty good ways back now. But you think about an old time Christian. You'd have never seen him at a movie. You'd never seen him at a movie theater. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you an old time Christian. You'd have never seen an old time Christian at a gambling casino. Come on, amen. 
You'd have never seen an old-time Christian sitting on a bar stool. Come on now. You'd have never seen an old-time Christian having a social drink. They never would have done nothing like that. They never would have bought a lottery ticket. They, an old-time Christian never would have joined a worldly society. You'd have never seen an old-time Christian at a, at, at a public swimming hole or on the golf course on Sunday or the lake on Sunday. You'd have never seen an old-time Christian man. Listen, you'd have never seen an old-time Christian man with his shirt off in public, showing his nakedness with his short shorts on, earrings, necklaces, bracelets, whatever you want to list. You'd have never seen an old-time Christian man that way. Never. You'd have never seen an old-time Christian with a cigarette between their fingers. You'd have never seen an old-time Christian with tobacco between their lips. You'd have never seen an old-time Christian woman, lady, I should say, in a pair of breeches or a tight shirt or a slit in her skirt or revealing her body parts. You'd have never seen that. You'd have never seen an old-time Christian allowing a television to pump wickedness into their home. You'd have never seen an old-time Christian listening to country music or any other ungodly music. You'd have never seen an old-time... I'm talking about old-time Christians, amen? You'd have never seen an old-time Christian associating themselves with the world. You know why? Because an old-time Christian stayed as far away from sin as they possibly could. Now, don't hang your head. I ain't trying to be mean. But whatever happened to the old-time Christian? What's wrong with being that way? What's wrong with being an old-time Christian that believed in the separated life? <clears throat> that took a stand for that which was right. <clears throat> that stood against that which was wrong. <clears throat> the Bible said in Romans 12, is it not still in the Bible? He said over there, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The old time Christians believe that his body, his life and his future belong to God. And can I say to you tonight, dear friend, thus saith the Lord, ask for the old past. If you're starting to doubt old time Christianity, let me say to you, it's a good way. It's a restful way. Walk in it. Nothing better. Nothing better than being an old time Christian. Let me give you another one. The old time Christians, you know what they also believed? They believed Sunday was the Lord's day. Now don't, miss, don't, don't lose me on this. It's not a fun day. It's the Lord's day. It's not, a, it's not a holiday. It's a holy day. Listen, it's not a work day. It is a worship day. And those that honor the Lord's day are honored by the Lord. Now, don't miss this statement. The old-time Christians believed all day was the Lord's day. Not 10 to 12 and 6 to 7. All day. Some believe Sunday's their day because it's the only day they got for themselves. Let me say something to you, dear ma'am and sir. Sunday is the Lord's day. It is the first day of the week. Amen? You, he gets first. He gets the first thing. And I say to you, Sunday's not a day for you to go out there and make money. Sunday's not a day for you, dear friend, to catch up on all your stuff. It is the Lord's day. And I say to you, the New Testament church, I know this is old-fashioned preaching, but that's the way they used to be. The New Testament church kept the first day of the week as the Lord. Hey, listen to what it says, Acts 20, verse 7. It said, upon the first day of the week, if you don't know that, that's Sunday, amen, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul 
preached unto them. There's your preaching church service on Sunday. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay up by him in store as God hath prospered him. There's your church offering, amen? And then you got over there in Revelation 1, 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You know what that is? That's worshiping at the house of God, amen? Matthew 28, 1, and in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, he said they went to the tomb and found that Jesus had risen. What do we do on the Lord's day? We remember the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord on the Lord's day. And I say to you, dear friend, Jesus comforted weeping Mary on the Lord's day. He walked with his two disciples and preached to them. He sent messages to other disciples. He appeared to brokenhearted Peter. He met with 10 disciples and he ate with him. And there's a difference between the Sabbath and the Lord's day. The Sabbath is the sixth day. That'd be Saturday. And the Lord's day is first day. That'd be Sunday. The Sabbath commemorates God's creation rest. While the Lord's day commemorates the resurrection. On the seventh day, God rested. On the first day, Jesus was very busy. The Sabbath commemorates a finished creation The Lord's day commemorates a finished redemption. The Sabbath was a day of legal obligation. The Lord's day is for voluntary worship. The Sabbath was for the Jews and the Lord's day is for the church of Jesus Christ. Here's the problem we face today. Are you listening? The problem we face today is getting the Christian to keep the Lord's day the way the Jews kept the Sabbath day. The Jew never let anything come between him and the Sabbath day. And the old-time Christian believed the first day is the Lord's day. God gave you six. God gave me six. Monday through Saturday. Sunday is not our day. It's his day. All day. The old-time Christians believed in the simplicity of salvation. They believed in singing the glory down. They believed in the sacred book. They believed in the separated life. They believed Sunday was the Lord's day. I'll give you the last one. They believed in sound preaching. Miss Anna, you can come. I say to you, dear friend, today they want comedians. Today they want, they want polished words, smooth mouths, feel-good sermons. Amen. Preacher nailed it today, amen, this morning about that effeminate style and that sissified uh, uh, so-called worship and preaching. I'm not talking about relevant talks. That's not sound preaching. I'm not talking about these turtleneck-wearing guys, amen, and these guys that's got their little podium set off to the side. You know what I'm talking about? They got rid of the old-fashioned pulpit and the old wood pulpit, and they went out there and got them a little sissified podium because they got that sissified preaching, amen. You say, what kind of preaching are you talking about? Well, I kind of like loud, hacking, out of breath, sweating, spitting preaching. Yeah, man. I'm talking about the kind of thunder from the pulpit. Hallelujah. Not philosophy and psychology, but preaching. He said over there in Isaiah 58, he said, cry aloud. I'm trying. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Amen, you ever heard a trumpet play? It's pretty loud, amen. Show my people their transgression in the house of Jacob their sin. He said over there in Romans 10, he said, how shall they hear without a preacher? I say to you, dear friend, when a preacher preaches, Preach. Daniel Webster, the famous American politician and orator, he spent a summer in New Hampshire and every Lord's Day he went to a little country church morning and evening. And his niece asked him why why he went there when he paid little attention 
to far abler sermons in Washington. And uh, Mr. Webster said this. He said, in Washington, they preached to Daniel Webster the statement. He said, but this man has been telling Daniel Webster the sinner of Jesus of Nazareth that all have sinned. You know what he was saying? He's saying, I'd rather have a preacher that would thunder to me the word of God and tell me I'm a sinner than I would for one to just beat around the bush and tell me nothing. The old time Christians believed in sound preaching. You hear me, church? They didn't go to church where the preachers were politically correct. And I say thank God for a leather-lung preacher that has stand up and preach the word of God, thus saith the Lord. I'd rather be an old time Christian. They believed in simplicity of salvation, singing the glory down, sacred book, separated life, Sunday's the Lord's day, sound preaching. Let me ask you a question. How do you line up with old time Christianity? Is that your heart's desire? Let me say to you young preachers and you young teenagers, there was a day when this old boy got saved and it wasn't long after I got saved, I realized that I need to do something for God. And I'm gonna try to serve the Lord and live a clean life. And there came a time in my life where I made up my mind. I said, I am going to be an old time Christian. I am going to stay with the old time way. That's the way I wanna raise my family. That's the kind of church I wanna to go to. I ain't looking for nothing new. I ain't looking for something fancy. I'm not caring about these places out here that's got all the, all the beat and all the rhythm. You understand? You go to these places, dear friends, like a rock concert, dark ceilings, and you can't hardly see what's going on, and the sensualness that's there and the ungodliness that's there, you'll lose your family. You understand? You'll lose your wife. You'll lose your children. You'll watch them go to hell. You'll watch them live wicked lives. Them kind of places are ungodly. There is no power of the Holy Ghost there. I'd rather be in a place where they believed in the old time way. 